Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is the person who forgot to put his phone on airplane mode, senior writer Jonathan Strickland. The trained mind does not need a watch. Watches are a confidence trick invented by the Swiss. Ooh. That's an interesting thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, normally I would comment on the, the quote of the week yeah. or, or, or of the podcast, and, and I was thinking... Oh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you, ever come by. I don't know if you recognize the, the actually thinking about the that. origin of that quote, but I'll tell you about it after the show. Okay. So today we're going to talk about some uh well, I was going to say competing technologies, but according to at least one party in this, it's not supposed to compete, but two different methods of transmitting data uh from computers to other devices or even from the internet to a computer depending on uh on how you're using them. Or uh, I would say in, in, in one case, within the computer itself. Yes, also possibility. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about USB 3.0 and Intel's Light Peak technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, one of these you would sort of probably be expected to know. USB is pretty ubiquitous as it has been uh, since, I would guess, the late 1990s or at least early 2000s. Sure. Um, which, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, Intel actually had... 
quite a bit of a responsibility in developing USB in the first place. Yeah, in fact, Intel worked quite hard on USB 3.0 as well. Uh, it's the the universal serial bus is what we're talking about here. And, yep. and you know, you're probably familiar with these. You you probably have devices that you hook up through your computer that uh, have you know have that same um, plug that goes into the computer ports. Uh, you know, everything from cameras to cell phones to uh, external drives um, to keyboards, mice, joysticks, all sorts of things. I've even seen some uh, touchscreen displays that are USB connected, mm-hmm. connectable, where you can have a second display up, which is a little interesting. It's actually that's that's probably taxing USB 2.0 to its to its limits. I would guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was just a, the the purpose of the universal serial bus was really to kind of help simplify. Uh, ports on a computer, <laughs> right? Oh yes, but because I remember the days of SCSI. Yeah. Um, yeah, SCSI. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, good. No, I, no, SCSI actually was was pretty nice. It, it was speedy for its day. Um, but uh, my my first two computers, being Commodore Amigas, they used SCSI ports, or at least for most of the stuff that I had. Actually, you would uh, have par- parallel ports on those as well. Right. Um, but the thing that annoyed me about SCSI uh, was that you could only have up to eight devices attached uh, to your computer. Um, you would hook it up by this really thick cable. Um Thick, especially compared to, to something like USB uh, 1 and 2, anyway. And uh, it, you had to actually set the address on the back of the device itself. I had a, um, an external drive that I used to use, and you'd have to, uh, at, at my old job, actually, um, where you would actually have to turn the thing around and um, uh, you know actually change the number and yourself, you could actually see the number. It was it was one of those little digital counters, like you would see on a, a handheld counter. It's really mm-hmm. kind of funny. Um, so you'd set it, you know, one through eight. Uh, and if you had a competing a, a, uh, something on that address, then it would cause problems. Also, you had to have a, a terminator at the end on the last switch. So if you had, don't Sarah Connor. Ugh, I knew he was going to go there. No, uh, you had to have. Say you had a. Uh, an external drive on your computer, uh, it would have an out port as well. So it would ha- it would be out to the computer, and then you would have an in port. And if nothing was coming into it, if you didn't plug in the terminator, the computer would con- would theoretically continue to look for the other device which wasn't plugged in, and it would it would slow things down. Sometimes, depending on what you were doing, cause it not to work. Um, so you had to have this little. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe it. It was almost like a dongle, a little uh, plastic and metal device that you would shove in there that you know, and lock into place so that it would know. No, there are no other devices on here. You have the two external drives. One of them is you know number four. Number one of them is number seven. You know, I know that this is the stuff that's on there. And the best part of all, if you wanted to add something, you had to turn off your computer, turn off the device. Uh, some would even say unplug the devices, although it never seemed to bother mine. Other than the four computers that I blew up when I didn't, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, you're supposed to turn off everything before you, you know, plugged or unplugged any of the devices into the SCSI chain. And uh, I, my first computer with USB was the very, very first iMac. I actually got it on the day it came out, and uh, it was the first computer I had to have USB. And the idea of being able to hot swap devices and have up to 127 instead of eight. 
right. was so nice. Yeah, hot swapping, by the way, in case you don't know, that just means that you can unplug or plug in a device at any time, whether your computer's on or off. Yep. And that, uh, in theory, nothing bad should happen. It, what should happen is that the computer should check to see what kind of device has just been hooked up to it and whether or not the computer has the correct driver to interact with that device. And if not, it prompts you to either you know load the driver or try and search for it. Yep. Yeah, and that's another one of the nice things about USB is that it's uh, you can find it on uh, Windows machines, you can find it on Linux machines, you can find it on Macintosh, and for the most part, you can buy peripherals that will work with all three or at least two of those as long as there is a driver available for them. And that wasn't necessarily the case before. So USB is really kind of um, made everything a lot easier. Yeah. Fire, Firewire two to an extent. Uh, but FireWire didn't catch on like USB did. No, FireWire was mostly the domain of Apple. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, I, I, and Sony. For example, with the USB thing, uh, and, and the idea that you can use the same peripherals on different, uh, devices, I have a couple of my own that I've swapped out between my Mac and my, uh, my, uh, PC, mm-hmm. uh, including, and this, this got a lot of mirth off the internet when I took a picture of it. Uh, a I've used my Mac keyboard to hook up to my work PC because, as we all know, the left side of my keyboard on my work PC doesn't work. <laughs> so, and that was the USB keyboard that I happened to have at home was my Mac keyboard, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if this will work." And sure enough, it does. Uh, the Apple button doesn't do anything, but other than that, um, and I've and I've hooked up a, a PC keyboard to my Mac, so there, there you, you go. go. So, at any rate, the USB solution was to try and, and cut down on all these different ports. And of course, there are a lot more besides just the SCSI. I mean, you had serial ports, oh, you sure. had parallel ports, you had mm-hmm. the keyboard and mice uh, jacks that you would have to insert the, you know, you'd plug your, your mouse or your keyboard in. They'd have those little round plugs, if you remember. Uh, yep. And now you've got a lot of USB ones, so you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah. it simplified things a bit, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. Um the uh, nine-pin connectors that you used to see on the old Ataris were mm-hmm. the uh, the ports that also worked with uh, the Amiga. So all my um, I could use my joysticks and stuff to play games with. But now, if I were going to do that uh, on a on Windows or a Mac or a Linux machine, you could buy a USB joystick and it would work across all of them. You have the same port. You don't have to mess with all that right. stuff anymore. That's nice. Yes, now, it is. <laughs> one of the limitations. Now we're currently the standard currently is USB 2.0. Yes, that's what you been that way for years. Yes, exactly. It has been that way for years. Uh, and and we've known that USB 3.0. They they finalized the standard for that in 2008, mm-hmm. but we still haven't really seen a, a wide rollout, and we'll probably get into a little controversy about that in a little bit, but the uh, there there's some limitations to USB 2.0, mm-hmm. uh, one of which is the speed. Um, now, it, USB 2.0 is fast enough for most regular applications, like if you mm-hmm. want to use a keyboard or a joystick or a mouse, the bandwidth is fine for that. You know, it's yep. you don't need something that's going to be super fast, and the bandwidth, by the way, is 480 megabits per second. Yep. Um, but if you want to do something like back up your hard drive to an external drive, and you're using a USB cord, and you've got a massive hard drive, right? You know, yeah, it's going to take some time. So you've got like a a, a hard drive that's uh, like you know, you could have up to a terabyte, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, or more, really. Mm-hmm. But you want to. Back that up because we we always say you should back up your hard drive. Yes, well, you should. 
One of the things that makes that less than easy is the fact that our a lot of our cables don't have the bandwidth capacity to make that data transfer at a very fast clip, so you have to wait quite a bit while yeah. you do it. It's always nice to schedule that for uh, the middle of the night when you're asleep, theoretically. Wait, you're asleep in the middle of the night? Yes. Man, I kind of figured that stuff out. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so USB 3.0 ups that speed and by 10 times, actually. Yes. 4.8 gigabytes, or gigabits, sorry. 4.8 gigabits. gigabits. Yeah, I, as soon as I said I was like, whoop, nope. need to... Fi- Correct that before we get letters. 4.8 gigabits per second. Yes. And uh, uh, so that's, yeah, it's 10 times the speed of US- USB 2.0. Mm-hmm. And um, they talk, uh, the, the, I remember hearing things like, well, at that speed, you could you could rip uh, a Blu-ray disc in just a matter of, of moments, comparatively speaking, like 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. So there's this amazing ability to uh, to transfer data at a really good clip. And just like USB 2.0, uh, it is capable of powering devices as well. There there are um, enough... There, the way the cables work, there are four cables in USB 2.0. Yes. There are eight in USB 3.0. Yes. Now, two of those cables are for... Uh, one's a power cable, one's a ground cable. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, had, I had gotten my notes from, uh, from Norman Chan, a Maximum PC. Yeah. He wrote a nifty article that really... Well, the title says it all. Everything you need to know about USB 3.0 plus first spliced cable photos. They actually have pictures. Oh, okay. He, he said that there are five new cables. Oh, are there? Yes. Um, but yeah, it's basically you're transmitting more information right over that distance. So I don't mean to contradict you. No, no, uh, no. That's right. I, I would rather I would rather have the correct information. Well, here's here's how I understand it. Yeah. So USB 2.0. Uh, one of the other limitations is that it does this thing called polling. Mm-hmm. Which is where you know you can only. So, do you like your data in this location or that? I knew location? I shouldn't have paused to let you say something. I could tell you had something to say, but 50% I knew percent of be... respondents say they want their data on this hard drive. At any rate, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, the USB 2.0 it can only send data in one direction at a time. Right. Exactly. So you're like, let's say you've got a smartphone that you're mm-hmm. using, and you want to move files to and from the smartphone. So you're, say, you're pulling pictures off the smartphone and you're putting music onto it. Right. That, that that could happen. You can't do both of those things at the same time using USB 2.0. Right. You're going to have to do one first and then the other. Right. Now, USB 3.0, because of the additional wires that they've added, they've the the standard allows uh, to allow simultaneous transmission of data both to and from the device at the same time. Mm-hmm. I said that simultaneously and the same time. This is what happens when we record in the morning. Oh my goodness, people! But but yes, you can actually see these these lines now. If you if you look at the end of a, a regular USB uh, connector, you'll see um, it, it. It sort of reminds me of a sandwich cookie in a way because half of it is an open space and the other half is seems solid. Right. And that's how that's what frustrates so many people about it. They know that they've got the cable, they're reaching around the back end of their of their PC and they know they've got it in the slot, but the closed end is on the closed end and you have to flip the plug over and then find the uh the connector again and it's it's frustrating. It's not that big a deal. But if you look at it, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. But on the USB 3 connector, you can actually see where the other wires... It it plugs in the same way. It's backward compatible as far as using a port. Now, you would actually need a USB 3 card 
on your computer for it to use USB 3. But let's say you have an older computer and uh, somebody lent you a USB 3 cable, you could still use that on your computer, and you would be able to see where the wire connectors are on the closed-off looking end. You, they're, right. They're actually visible to you. So you could tell just by looking at it whether it's a USB 2 or USB 3 cord. Right. And and just to clarify a little bit, you can use USB 3 on a USB 2 port, a USB 3 cable on a USB 2 port like Chris was saying, but it will of course it'll the data will move at USB 2 speeds. Right, because it doesn't have the connectors to make it work. Right. right. I'm not, sorry, I didn't mean to be confusing. No, no, not at all. I just wanted to make sure I I covered that. Uh but the idea that it being backwards compatible, that stretches back to USB 2, which was also backwards compatible with USB 1. Yes. I mean, you want to, you want to make sure that, uh, you don't just, uh, wipe out someone's entire, like, the, the whole purpose of this is to make life simpler. You don't want to make it more complicated by right. saying, okay, all that stuff that you had no longer works. So, now that we have these devices that require lots of data to transfer at high speeds, let's say that you want to back up your hard drive or that you've captured a bunch of high-definition video and you want to pull that from a camera onto your computer, uh, USB 2.0 is starting to look a little slow, and that's why USB 3.0 was was being put into uh, a play. It's also called Super Speed USB yes, because USB 2.0 was called um, Speed USB. Mm-hmm. So, super speed is the idea that it's going to go much, much faster. It's going to continue to power these devices. It actually draws more power than uh, than USB 2.0. USB 2.0, I think, had a maximum of 500 milliamps, and USB 3.0 is 900 milliamps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for powered buses, it's it that's a means it's going to be able to power more power hungry devices. Yes, definitely. So. That's kind of the story in USB 3.0. Let's talk about Light Peak for a second. Okay. Uh, I think it's in transition. I think it's uh, important to note that uh, USB 3.0, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, USB 3.0 is, is only external. Like you're going to hook up external peripherals with USB 3.0. Right. However, Light Peak can be used on a motherboard to connect devices inside your computer. Right. Is that, yeah. Or. Or you can use it as an external as well. This was sort of Intel's take on how can we simplify these uh, these ports even further than USB 3.0. Because USB 3, uh, you know, there's certain devices you can connect to, like the external hard drives or the high-definition cameras, but it still does not have the bandwidth necessary for other applications, like driving a high-definition monitor or uh, or replacing an HDMI cord. Um, or replacing the Ethernet cord. You couldn't do that with USB 3.0. The bandwidth isn't there. It's not really designed for that. So Intel was saying, well, what if we were to develop a technology that would allow us to essentially boil it down to one cable for data? You know, mm-hmm. you could just have the same sort of cable. Essentially, your your computer would look like it would have a whole bunch of the same ports. And in theory, you could plug any cable into any of those ports and then into any compatible device, and it works. Mm-hmm. So you might have, you know, five cables. They're all identical, and one of them's going to an external display, and one of them's going to your high uh, high definition camera. One of them's going to a, uh, a an external hard drive, etc. So uh, the way they decided to try and implement this is through fiber optics. Mm-hmm. There, there's a chip that is central to this this system that uh, 
would be installed on a motherboard and would transmit it would, it would essentially translate uh, binary data into optical data using a laser and um, fiber optic lines. I'm impressed that you managed to hold off saying laser. You know, I did that to myself. Um, yeah, I mean, that's if you remember, we we did a podcast not terribly long ago, last year on uh, on fiber optics. Yeah, um, and uh, fiber optics are a much different animal as far as the way they they transmit information. They're going by light, yep. um, and they do have some advantages. Um, now, when we talked about fiber optics in that podcast, we were talking about how delicate the lines are. You have to be very careful with that. Well, I did some research on Lightpeak for the podcast, and Intel claims that you can even tie the cable in a knot, right? and it will still be able to transmit information very, very quickly without uh, you know, having to worry about damaging. damaging the lines on the Lightpeak transmitter. And it's funny because Lightpeak may, if you may never have heard of it, but this is something that's been in development for a pretty long time now, it seems yeah. like. Actually, we were Expecting to see uh, products launching with Lightpeak perhaps as early as late 2010, but that didn't happen. And now we're hearing about it uh, coming out in 2011. And the idea here is that, uh, at least the initial idea, was that you're using fiber optics to transmit data. The uh, There'd be two fiber optic lines uh, that would be dedicated to transmitting data out and two that would be dedicated to transmitting data in. So just mm-hmm. like USB 3.0, you could have simultaneous communication from both the device and the computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the theoretical starting speed for Lightpeak, and I say theoretical just because it hasn't hit the market really yet, is 10 gigabits per second. So that's more than twice as fast as USB 3.0. Indeed it is. And uh, th- at that speed, you still can't necessarily replace things like uh, HDMI cords. You would still need to get a little faster than that. But right. Intel says that within 10 years, that top speed will reach a peak of around 100 gigabits per second. Mm-hmm. Now, at that speed, you're talking about using the potential for using this uh, technology for everything from the cable that would go from your modem to your computer Mm-hmm. So you would use the same sort of cable to hook up to your internet connection as you would to your external hard drive or to another monitor, which is kind of a cool idea, right? You mm-hmm. no longer have to worry about, oh, gosh, I need this one specific cable. Where the heck is that? And, you know, you start hunting through all your cables. No, you just have a pile of cables that are all the same, and you just grab one, mm-hmm. which is a great idea. The uh, There's some limitations to Lightpeak as well. One of those is that... We don't really know how Lightpeak would provide power to devices. Right. Right? Because you have a lot of devices that either charge through USB or they the USB provides the power that the device needs to, to operate as well as the data transfer. And Lightpeak on its own cannot really transmit power because you're talking about fiber optics. It's just light. Mm-hmm. Um, and by light, we're using, like I said, lasers and, and little photovoltaic-type uh, sensors. Right. Uh, so there would have to be some sort of either external power source to power these devices. Um, so you'd have one wire essentially going in to provide power and another wire coming in that would be the light peak wire. Or you would have to pair light peak with copper wire of some sort. Yeah, because, of course, uh, you know, the USB is using copper 
as it is yeah. uh, in order to, to do what it does. So, yeah, it, it, it seems like you would have to have something like that simply to avoid, um, you know, the, the charging, having to worry about the charging issue. And people have come to expect that yeah, uh, with USB and FireWire both uh, being the, the connectors of choice for the majority of electronics over the past decade or so. Um, yeah. I think people sort of expect that and they'll go, hey, this is great. It's really fast. But now I have to plug it in while I'm, you know, I, I think that that may throw people a little bit. Um, and and just while we've been talking, I, I did a little more additional research just to find out how many lines. And I found reputable sources saying four and five additional lines on USB 3. It's a mystery. So <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, we may have to to uh, post on the, on our Facebook feed or something when we yeah. find out definitively one way or the other because I thought you know I'd gotten it from a reputable source and you got yours from a reputable source and here's there what are we several do. reputable sources we will go out <laughs> we will find a USB 3.0 cord and we will cut it open okay then that'll tell us right so, there yep but and yeah. then we will cry <laughs> but I I don't have a device that can actually operate under USB 3.0 right now so I it's not a big yeah. loss for me at the at um, the moment it's sort of a moot point right um. But yeah, and that was one of the things though about Light Peak Two is that uh, on its debut, it may not necessarily be using fiber optic. Right, that is an interesting point. Uh, we heard from Intel that the initial Light Peak wire is not actually using fiber optics to transmit data through the wire. It's going to use copper, mm-hmm. which of course again is like all the other cables. So, but uh, supposedly they have found a way. Intel has found a way to. Uh, to transmit data at that 10 gigabits per second speed that was um, supposed to be the starting speed, which is interesting. Uh, one of the problems, one of the other problems about using copper is that electricity can create interference, mm-hmm. you know, RF interference. And um, uh, USB 3.0 is kind of pushing that envelope right now as it is. So to have an even greater bandwidth of copper means that you have to you know, think about those problems about shielding the the cable in such a way so that the interference is at a minimum, or else you're going to have problems when you're transmitting data. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a lot of people have started talking about. They, I, I've heard some snarky comments talk, calling the first generation of Light Peak Copper Peak. Yes, because it's not using light; it's using copper. Um, maybe it'll be light copper. Maybe maybe it will. You know, <laughs> it could be. I don't know, but the. The, the other discussion, besides the fact that the first generation of LightPeak will not actually be using fiber optics in the cable, the chip is different. You know, the chip could have – you can have fiber optics within the motherboard, but the actual cable that you're using to hook up to the various devices is going to have copper in it. Mm-hmm. The other big discussion is, is LightPeak going to make USB 3.0 a moot point from the start? Like, is 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 it an also-ran? Not if it never makes it to market. The thing right. is, right now, they've been promised for years, and there just hasn't been any move. I mean, there's been movement, but you just don't see them on store shelves, either one of them, really, right. in any quantity, even though I think you would agree. I mean, you've seen some uh, some displays of this at CES, yeah, uh, I've seen, I guess, I've the seen last demos. two years. Yeah, demos of Lightpeak have been at CES uh, previously, You and there are USB 3.0 devices and motherboards that are out there on the market right now. You can go out and buy them, mm-hmm. uh, but they aren't as plentiful as they 
as you might think they should be, considering that USB 2.0 is such a, a wide standard, yes. you would imagine that USB 3.0 would get adopted fairly quickly. And depending upon whom you ask, you might hear that the adoption rates are actually faster than USB 2.0. And mm-hmm. other people will say, like, well, that that as may be, but USB 2.0 is an accepted standard, so you would think USB 3.0 would be adopted very quickly, especially since it was introduced, the, the standard was finalized in 2008. Yeah. Um, one of the the allegations that I've heard uh, some journalists levy against Intel is that Intel is specifically dragging its heels in supporting USB 3.0 in order to give Lightpeak an advantage. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Intel Intel's not just doing this Lightpeak project. Intel makes chips and, and chipsets for motherboards. Yes. And if Intel doesn't create sets that support USB 3.0, then some one of the most popular chip manufacturers is, in effect, holding back USB 3.0 adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Intel, for its part, says that's a lot of baloney, that they are not trying to uh, sabotage USB 3.0, that, in, that Lightpeak isn't even intended to replace USB 3.0. Yeah. I've seen reports that essentially kind of in a mysterious way say that Lightpeak will work um, with USB 3.0. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that means that you will have Lightpeak cables that have a USB connector on them, I don't know. They they haven't really gone into detail to explain what they mean by that. Well, you know, getting back to what I said earlier, um, I remember in the when I first learned about like Lightpeak, uh, hearing that it was supposed to basically be inside your computer, you know, hooking up your hard drive and your components to transfer data more efficiently within your machine itself. Right. Now, the more recent research suggests that they are intended to be thing for used for things that you plug in, peripherals that you plug into your computer as well. Right. Um, so in a way, if it, if it were sticking to what's inside your computer... Um, that would make more sense that it would uh, be a technology to use fiber optics to move info around inside your machine or inside peripherals just that much more quickly and then using USB on the external to transfer information between devices. Now, you know, if they really are serious about using it to hook uh, peripherals to your computer, then yes, I don't see how it could not be considered a competitor to USB 3. Um you know, uh, if the USB 3 uh, contingent believes that Intel is doing this in an anti-competitive way, I would expect to see uh, the, <laughs> this hit the uh, the streets in the courtroom. Right. Um, you know, and you'll, you'll hear about the court cases because, you know, that happens a little bit in tech, between technology companies when one feels slighted by another. But, yeah, I, I would imagine that uh, really there's room for both. Uh, there may be applications for which Lightpeak is particularly well suited, um, you know, and it may be particularly more expensive because it relies on fiber optic technology rather than good old copper. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I would imagine things like, let's say, I, I can't imagine you needing a Lightpeak connection for your keyboard. No. Or for your mouse. Well, everybody, everybody, that's in quotes. Everybody's using the wireless mice and keyboards anyway, right? Through Bluetooth? Right. Yeah, no, not no. really. But, yeah, you don't really, that's, that's overkill for something like that. Or, or even for gaming devices where you really don't want, uh, where you really want a fast connection 
you're you're concerned about things like latency uh, between your your uh, computer and your keyboard. So yeah, I mean, still even then, I can't well, imagine yeah. that a that a USB even a USB two device would be useful for that. Yeah, because because to be because a gamepad, even though you do want to cut down on on latency, there's not a whole lot of data no, being really. pushed through, and if there isn't a lot of data, it's going through very very fast. I mean, it's you know we're talking about top speeds of of 480 megabits per second for USB 2.0 and 4.8 gigabits per second for USB 3.0. That's right. that's definitely overkill for those kind of devices. But for th- other thing applications like to replace the Ethernet port or mm-hmm. to replace HDMI. Uh, ports or to create a fast connection between your computer and, and an external hard drive so you can back up really, really quickly, you know, in a few seconds as opposed to, you know, an hour or two, depending on what kind of device you're using and what kind of uh, how much data you're you're shipping around. That totally makes sense. And mm-hmm. we also should remember that USB 3.0, uh, USB in general has a limitation on how long the cable can be, right. which is around five meters. Mm-hmm. Which is actually pretty pretty long, um, but the uh, the light peak cable, its limitation is a hundred meters. Yeah. Like when you start when when Intel starts mentioning things like that, like the fact that light peak cables could be up to a hundred meters long without any uh, loss in performance, you have to come to the conclusion that this is not intended solely as an internalized component. Yeah. Because why would you need a hundred meter cable inside your computer? That. I can't imagine an application <laughs> for which that would be really, really useful, but I'm sure there's somebody out there going, really? That would be great. Yeah, finally, I could build my computer the size of the Chrysler building. Um, the Chrysler building is slightly longer, or slightly taller. Yes, than... but you put the computer part in the middle, silly. Oh, okay. And then you have the peripherals at the top and the bottom. I thought this through. Okay. Okay. Right. So anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> That, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out, whether USB 3.0 or Lightpeak goes forward, whether Intel starts to produce more chipsets that actually that actually uh, support USB 3.0 so that we start seeing more of those computers on the market. Um, like I said, there are some motherboards out there that have USB 3.0 chips. You can actually go out and buy a USB 3 uh, card and install it on your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of people think, well, what's the point in that? I mean, the the reason why people like USB a lot is that it's convenient, and part of that convenience is that it's pre-installed on your computer. Right. You don't have to go and open your computer up and put in a chip. And of course, a lot of us are using laptops that you may not be able to install another card in your laptop, depending on how it was manufactured and and how tech savvy you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, like my netbook, I can't do it. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. The, you know, if the netbook came with USB three, that'd be awesome. But there's, I'm never going to get USB three on that netbook. No, that's true. I would have to buy a new one that would have that built into it from the start. A fair point. So, uh, I'm I'm curious to see how this plays out, uh, especially again with the whole computer security angle. Um, backing up the computer and at just a fraction of the speed is really appealing to me. Or the idea of buying a new MP3 player and moving my 5,000 plus song list onto it in just a second or two mm-hmm. is, that's also very appealing to me. So you yeah. can just immediately go and listen to your music. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on this, see how it plays out, whether or not, uh, whether or not it re- they really do work in tandem or if uh, Light Peak will 
push USB 3 out of the way before it even gets a chance to get started. Mm-hmm. Well, that wraps up this discussion on USB and Light Peak. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to go get some coffee. <laughs> All right, then. If you want to let us know what you think about the debate, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can shoot us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.